The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to episode 163 of the Sample Chapter Podcast the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Make sure to find and follow the show on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It is just the Sample Chapter Podcast on all of those locations. You can find all kinds of fun stuff that we're doing week in and week out. If social media is not your thing but you'd like to reach out to the show, you can do so via email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave a voicemail by calling. 660-851-1146. Oh my goodness, this week I have quite the treat for you, uh, for us all really. For the first time ever, the show is going all the way to Egypt for epic fantasy author Tariq Mbarer. Uh, Tariq is such a great guest, uh, such a gracious guest, and thankfully has a sense of humor as I'm probably still butchering that last name, much like people do mine, but I think he, I think he's got me there, uh, as far as last names go. I think he's got me, <laughs> but it doesn't take away from the interview because he was so awesome to speak with. I mean, he has such a heart for writing and telling this story, his first novel, Chaos Storm. And let me tell you, you know, seeing the book cover and reading a little bit about it, I still was like, oh, this is, it's interesting. It's got me intrigued on what this is about. And then talking to him, oh man, I mean, he just really drew me in. And so I'm, I'm totally sold. I cannot wait to grab a copy of this for myself. And you're going to love this conversation. We are discussing the deciding factors into what made him leave a career in engineering and become an author. We also discussed matters of how often us writers are questioning ourselves and are we writing correctly? Uh, that feeling of reading a book that really moves you and inspires you in your life going forward. Uh, and we also talk about mysterious tattoos, which you're going to find out more about that here in just a little bit. And then when we get into his reading, it is an intimate and chilling reading. You're going to love it. And that is all coming up here in just one moment, so stay tuned for that. I can't wait to share it with you. But first, let me tell you about Scrivener, longtime sponsor who's been with the show. Scrivener writing software, I, it's no secret they are my favorite writing software. I do all of my writing in it, and right now, writing on a series as I am, it is invaluable having all that character information carried over from book to book and being able to add to it as needed. And you know what's neat? Just because I'm adding characters to book two or book three, it's not changing what I did in book one. I'll, you know, it's it's so amazing. Everything is right there at your fingertips. All of my research, everything you need. Check out this quick commercial and find out how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. 
Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, yes, indeed, Scrivener is where it's at. I also want to thank Audible. We are now a uh, partner with Audible, uh, providing for you a free 30-day trial. Once again, here's another commercial that can tell it to you a lot better than I can tell Hello friends, Jason here, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a great offer from Audible. Like you, I'm very busy. I have a full-time job, a family, I'm a thriller author, and I do this weekly podcast. But I also love to read. That's where Audible is a lifesaver for me. Whether I'm mowing the yard, working out, driving back and forth to work, or doing some other menial task, I can still listen to an incredible book through Audible. And now you can get a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash sample chapter. By doing that, you'll not only have that 30-day trial, you'll also gain access to guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, exclusive Audible originals, and even podcasts like the Sample Chapter Podcast. Last year is the first time I ever achieved my own personal reading goals and it was because of some wonderful titles I listened to on Audible. Some of those titles were Ready Player Two by Ernest Cline, narrated by Will Wheaton, the Awaken Online series from Travis Bagwell, narrated by David Stifle, Patient Zero by Jonathan Mayberry, narrated by the incredible Ray Porter, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention previous guest Scott Meyer with his Magic 2.0 series, narrated by Luke Daniels. It's a lot of fun and definitely worth your time. Hey, full disclosure, by signing up at audibletrial.com slash sample chapter, the show does get a little monetization, which goes directly towards any production needs uh, with the show. So you're also helping us out here by signing up. So what are you waiting for? Head on over now to audibletrial.com slash sample chapter and start your free 30-day trial today. There you go. Click that link in the show notes for both Scrivener and for Audible so that way you can get on over there, save yourself some money, and uh, find some great Audible books. Speaking of Audible, something I just finished was Robert Heinlein's Time for the Stars, and that was fantastic. Just amazing. I, I was really blown away, and it was a quick, well, I want to say read, but it was on Audible. Amazing job. Really well done, and uh, quite the book. That was my classic for uh, February that I, I try to read a classic every month and that was that was this month's so highly recommended it was uh, really really good hey I also want to invite you to check out our podcast network that we first became a part of almost two years ago or yeah about two years ago pop goes the culture network home to about a dozen other pop culture related shows including that flagship show pop goes the culture hey they are kicking off a a, a March Madness uh, type event where they're going to be deciding the best 90s movie and I'm a part of it 
<laughs> I, I'm not actually in the discussions, so to speak. Maybe I will work something like that out sometime. But you can check out live their episodes on Thursday nights. Uh, click that link in the show notes to find out where you can go and uh, listen to the episodes live. And make sure, again, pay attention to the social media and uh, follow them there as well because that's where you can vote for the uh, favorite 90s movie. Mine was, honestly, I had a different movie in mind for my number one, but a very close second that I went with was The Fifth Element because, oh my gosh, that movie never gets old. It never gets old, and it's amazing. So if you're like me and you love The Fifth Element, make sure you're following not just the Sample Chapter podcast on social media, but also Pop Goes to Culture, and you can find that through my likes on there. And that way you can look for the upcoming polls. And whenever you see Fifth Element uh, in, in the running, then you can vote for it. And uh, vote for Sample Chapter for the win. <laughs> uh, but make sure you check out some of their other shows as well. And uh, you won't regret it. It's lots of fun stuff over there. If you like pop culture, you're going to find something there that you're going to love. Finally, I want to thank Project Entertainment Network. I've been with them for about a year now. Uh, but I've been a long-time listener of the network. I've been following that network for maybe four or five years. Uh, Armand Rosamilia is the head of that network, and he's been a guest on this show several times. So many good shows on that network. Whether you are an author, you're looking for writing inspiration or instruction, whether you're a book lover looking for reviews, whether you like shows about opinions over this or that, uh, monster movies... The list goes on and on and on. There are so many different shows on that network, so click that link in the show notes to find one or check out this one right here. Hello, podcast addicts and curious listeners. Dr. Galvanic's Odd Tales is a narrated podcast with dark, thrilling and mysterious stories. In each episode, Dr. Galvanic's Odd Tales will take you through the mysteries of the Australian outback lead you into a remote corner of the galaxy, or it will accompany you through a mind-bending nightmare. You can find Dr. Galvanic's Odd Tales on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Subscribe to the show so you won't miss another episode. See you out there. Yes, indeed, another one of those fantastic shows over on Project Entertainment. Uh, like I said, click that link in the show notes for that, and uh, you can find yourself a huge selection of shows to check out. Well, hey, without further ado, let's get us on over to our interview with Cairo native and epic fantasy author, Tarek Bader. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, I'm so excited, and I say excited an awful lot, I know. I need to find a new catchphrase, but I am truly excited. I, the show is jumping over to Cairo, Egypt for the first time ever, where we are going to be talking with Tariq Butter. Tariq's lifetime love for reading fiction and fantasy novels inspired him to begin writing his debut novel, Chaos Storm. He left a career of engineering behind him when he could no longer ignore his passion for writing. Uh, as I said, he is from Cairo, Egypt, where the country's rich history fuels the fires of his imagination. Welcome to the show, Tariq. Hello, Jason. Thank you for having me. 
I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so glad we were able to connect online. And uh, my goodness, just how are you doing? <laughs> Let's start there. I'm doing fine. The weather is really freaking out right here. Like for the past couple of days, it was really hot. Then suddenly it rained and flooded my roof and I had to deal with that. So oh, yeah, it's, it's crazy right now. It's, I hear it's snowing over there in the U.S. Are you one of the people hit by the storm? <laughs> we had a little bit of snow yesterday, um, but it didn't stick around where I am. I'm, I'm near Kansas City, Missouri, so like in the middle of America. And uh, it didn't stick around. It didn't stay here, but the winds are bringing in cold temperatures. And like today, I think we've got like a high of 25. And all next week will be around 10 for the high it's it's we're bracing for some really cold weather and some snow in between uh every couple of days yeah i have a friend who lives in kentucky and a, a while back he showed me a shared a picture with me that is basically white everything covered in snow and i was like i did not even know that it snowed in kentucky that was a learning experience for me I thought that was a hot zone like where did all the snow come from <laughs> yeah i think that kentucky is like right there in that border where they can get, still get some snow here and there and even the southern states, I think, will still get some snow occasionally, but it's very rare. Yeah, I just love that stuff because it's a, it's always, you know, like a good, oh, my God, I didn't know that. That like Note to self, keep it, you know, in, in the pocket for a story. Future, Absolutely. Yeah. Future anecdote or something like that. And it's, it's easy for us here in America to forget that uh, the weather will be different on the other side of the world. Uh, I had a year or two, I think two years ago, an author in New Zealand and or i think it was australia and they were it's summer there while i'm freezing here and he was they're having a heat wave at the time and he was telling me how that yeah he had to turn off his air conditioner for the sound for the interview and so he was sweating and it was like a hundred and hundred and six <laughs> so <or> jealous <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm in my garage studio where it was at the time i'd forgotten <laughs> to turn on my space heater and so it was like 48 in my garage and uh, I was like, oh, that's great. All right, well, we'll I'll send cool thoughts to you and you send me warm <laughs> thoughts. <and we'll laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Egypt has mostly moderate weather throughout the year, but it has like really hot summers. So if you're really into the sun and tanning and that kind of stuff, welcome to Egypt. Because, you know, you got a lot of sun for a long, long time. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's great. Well, give us a little bit of your background. I know you had a uh, a career in engineering um, and a lifelong love for reading, but uh, how did how did you get to the point where you decided I want to write? All right, I, I remember exactly when I made that decision. You know, I've since I've been a little kid, I've always loved reading books and st stories. I'm a fan of stories. I just love everything that is story form. But it never really translated into I want to write a story until I think I was somewhere between twenty or twenty one or something like that. And uh, my cousin, you know, God rest his soul, he gave me a book, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Now, anybody listening who might have read this book, I guess, depending on how old were you when you read this book, if you read it, you might have decided it's a great book or it's a really cliched book. But for me back then, I was like, oh, my God, I've never read anything like that. And I remember very clearly that the moment the book ended, and the feeling I had with the, you know, the ending, if I don't know if you've read it, but the ending was really different. And when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this feels amazing. This feeling right now that I'm having because of this book is amazing. 
and I want to do that again. And uh-huh. I want to be the one that's doing it. I want to be the one that's writing these books. I love stories. And now I think I want to tell stories. Oh, wow. So, so that was exactly that. I was in a car. I remember I was not driving, but I was, you know, sitting in the passenger seat. I was reading the book and I finished it and I had this moment. And I remember very clearly that I opened the first page and I started over again. So rereading the book. Okay, I'm, I'm, I need to do this again. And that was kind of you know, like the kickoff. And the way it happened for me is, um, you know, Egypt is a, obviously a different environment, you know, from a lot of, you know, uh, like uh, countries like it's not like America, where if you're 21 or 20 in America, and you think I want to be a writer. Now, it's not a very safe choice for you to make, but it's <laughs> a valid choice. Okay, mm-hmm. you, know, like you can there is avenues, the night schools, you can, you know, and try to go to uh, writing, become one of the writing workshops in a TV show or something like that. In Egypt, there's nothing like it's impossible it, to, to begin as a, on a 20 year old and say, all right, I'm going to throw everything away and start becoming a writer. It, it's, you know, very difficult to do that. Everybody's got to get a nine to five job. And I had to get one as well. So I got one and it, I, I became a systems engineer. Uh, I was really good at it as well. But in the meantime, I was like, okay, this is a you know, temporary thing until I become a good writer. And here is where the perfectionist or the quality oriented part of me um, actually delayed the process because I eventually started writing down ideas and, you know, notebooks. Every writer has done that. Get a notebook, start scribbling. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, this is the one. I have inspiration right now. I have this image really vivid. I'm going to write this chapter and I sit down and write a chapter and I really like it. But then I stop and I'm like, I don't know if I did this correctly. Like, I don't know uh, if, if the formatting is right. I don't know if this is the way you write dialogue. I don't know where I'm supposed to go next. And okay. So I need to learn this now and enter the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. I started learning everything there is to learn about writing. I started signing up for online classes uh, I remember in one purchase, uh, I bought about 15 books off of Amazon. All the greatest books about teaching writing. Like, think of any book that people recommend. You know, Stephen King's on writing, I had it. You know, John Truby's, got it. Story by Robert McKee, have it. All of these, I have all of these books. I even have some very obscure books about teaching writing. And I started studying and doing this. And meanwhile, I'm stuck in the engineer job. And I, <laughs> eight years later, I am in my job and I'm having a fight with my boss. And it seems obvious that this fight is going to end up with either I quit or he's going to fire me, obviously. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I hate it. I hate this job doesn't matter that I'm good at it. doesn't matter that it pays five figures. That, no, all, all that is crap because I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying my life. I'm not jo- enjoying who I am doing this. So I'm just going to stop doing it. I'm just going to go be a full-time writer. I'm going to spend my time writing my book and teaching people how to write their own books because I've actually been doing that a little bit you know, on the side for about two years before I quit my job. And I did. I quit. And I said, all right, everything I've wrote before because I've written tons of stuff before that point. But I said, everything I've written before is just for me. 
it's no longer what I'm going to show the world. I'm going to start from scratch. And I created Chaos Storm, the first book I decided I'm going to publish. Wow. And in the, yeah, that's uh, basically how I got to this point. Now, did you have any pushback from family or friends saying like, no, 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 Tariq, <laughs> you can't, you can't just do that. <laughs> Holy God, obviously. <laughs> You got so much pushback. I actually had a, I was in a relationship. I, my, I broke up with my girlfriend over this because uh, for her, this was, okay, you're completely ruining the future of this relationship by making this choice. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to find myself. And she's not, nah, it didn't work out. But yeah, I had pushback from my family, from my friends, everybody to them, this is career suicide. I mean, how do you go from being a systems engineer that has implemented projects in six countries, you know, has lived in four countries and is making five figures to a writer that makes nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. And mm -hmm. now you're going to start from scratch. I'm like, okay, don't worry. I'm going to be making this very tiny amount out of, of teaching other people now because I'm doing like a, tiny workshops, one-on-one -on -one coaching and, and that kind of stuff. And then I'm selling these copies and, and on and on. It's a grind, obviously, but it's totally worth it. It's absolutely worth it for me, at least. It's a sacrifice that I choose to make and accept. I'm not saying that it's for everyone. If, if anyone right here is listening who has a similar passion and who has a similar, you know, inclination, I would tell you that the right way to do this, in my point of view, is to do your job in the morning and write at night. Keep doing both until you can comfortably say, I am good enough and successful of enough of a writer that I don't need to do the nine to five anymore. That is the correct way to do it. I was unfortunately unable to do that. And so I chose this, uh, all right, it's me and it's this passion and it's either this or nothing. So I'm going to go for it. It is the uh -huh. only way that worked for me. Well, and, you know, there's the old adage, too, that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And it sounds like you have found that peace and that, that love. And uh, gosh, man, more power to you. That's fantastic that you took such a such a leap and that you're following that dream. Thank you. Thank you. And not to be all sunshines and roses, you know, there uh, a lot of the processes grind. You know, there are days when like, ah, this is definitely a job. But <laughs> there are days when, no, I love this. I'm enjoying this. You know, you, you know that if you finished a book, you know, there's scenes in there where you're like, I need to kill this guy. Just to end this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it would be so much easier if I just kill him and cut out the next three chapters and that would be awesome. But yeah, I'll just have to do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's grind <laughs> because there is a super awesome scene, you know, that is coming. You know, if, if you get through this, you get to the Avengers assemble moment, but mm -hmm. you can't do the Avengers assemble moment if you don't do everything that comes before it. So, oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people forget about that. That was a long time coming before they finally reached that point yeah, 26 uh, movies or 23 <clears throat> movies or something like that yeah, yeah I, think, I think it was 23 movies i believe yeah. so a lot of work went into setting up each one of them so that they could finally assemble and uh so many times as writers we want to like no no i want to assemble now 
Yeah, what do Isn't I do? That's exactly <laughs> what DC did. That's exactly what the you know the DC Comics movies decided to do. They're like, okay, um, we don't, we're not gonna do origin stories. We're not gonna fix uh, a proper storyline. We're just gonna do Man of Steel, BVS, Justice League, mm-hmm. and they got Man of Steel, which is good. I like it. BVS, yeah, really bad. It sucks. It's a terrible <laughs> yes. movie. And then you got into Justice League, which is it freaking disaster and now they're gonna do the snyder cut on you know more we'll see how that turns out it's a four-hour movie so oh gosh i know i'm really skeptical because any movie that has to be told in a four hours like uh, like what are you told what are you doing come on like even lord of the rings was like three hours (laughs) going back a little bit here you were talking about the alchemist and uh how that influenced you uh what other books uh, influenced you oh okay um i read lord of the rings once a year mm. i read i've done this for the past i think 10 years i read um harry potter the entire series once a year okay i don't know exactly how long i've been doing that but i know that i've been doing it for quite a while um okay so i'm i'm, I'm obviously a fantasy guy so I am the fantasy fiction for me is the greatest kind of fiction since I fell in love with Lord of the Rings. I'm like, is there anything else like this out there? And yeah, it turns out there's an entire genre. Okay. So let's read more of that. Mm -hmm. And here's what I noticed. There's kind of in the books when, when you're like a really new reader to any genre and you pick up anything, it's like, okay, this is so good. But then you pick up four more books and you, but actually that first one was not that good in comparison to these because you start building up the, the your knowledge of the genre your vocabulary your standards are raised and you're like oh, okay this wasn't actually that good and i notice a trend where there are people that are leaning very much towards the tolkien kind of end of the spectrum very classical very mm-hmm. um unoriginal they're like kind of imitators to tolkien and on the other side of the spectrum, there are people who like try to disengage themselves from Tolkien as much as they can to the point where I can't tell if it's actually fantasy. You know, the only reason it's a fantasy is because something unusual is happening. You know, um, they start to take all the tropes and turn them over their heads and they're very contemporary or postmodern in their attitude. And I didn't like both. You know, I wanted something in between. Come on, guys. I'm sure there is a middle ground where you can use the good stuff, the really good stuff, because the classics were classics for a reason. Mm -hmm. And the moderns are really good because they have new ideas. But come on, you don't have to drop everything and go into this mad new rush where all the books are looking the same. So I tried to merge both of them and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the stuff that I like from all over this genre and from other movies and from sci-fi and see what are the elements that I really enjoy and how can I reconcile them into one book? You know. Also, by the way, yeah, influence Star Wars. I completely influenced. I'm <laughs> fully in love original trilogy. Like I grew up watching Luke Skywalker. So yeah, then watching The Mandalorian, I lost my mind. Absolutely. <laughs> Yep. I, oh my god what am i watching this is so good but yeah so this is the, the that was kind of the thought process you know so i'll give you a quick a quick example like um 
Uh, everybody knows who Brandon Sanderson is. Yeah. And he's the greatest uh, fantasy writer right now, in my point of view. I'm a huge fan of him. But one of the things that I'm not really a huge fan of him is he, when he writes magic, he goes in what we call the hard magic system. Like everything's very scientifically explained. You can reproduce it. You can do it. Everything is there is a rules for everything that he does. He, he, this, is, this is the term that he uses, hard magic system, mm-hmm. as opposed to the soft magic system of something like Lord of the Rings, where Gandalf is basically Gandalf. You don't know what he can do. No one knows what he can do. All we know is that he, he can do what he needs to do. There is an awe in the magic of Gandalf. You know, If you look at the magic of Harry Potter, yes, it has rules. Yes, it has parameter, but a lot of it is still mystical. It's still weird. It's still magic. So I don't like the full-on hard magic system, but I don't like the magic that is just the writer doing whatever he wants to do to get out of trouble. And so again, in this book, Chaos Storm, I try to mix and match where my magic system has elements of the hard magic system. Okay, I understand it. I understand how it reproduces it. I understand how it works. I get some rules, but oh my, I don't know how this is happening. There are elements of it that seem mystical, that seem unexplainable. And I love that. This is one of the, you know, examples of how I was influenced by different um, genres. That's fantastic. And and I love how you said uh, Star Wars was an inspiration too, because people tend to forget how closely tied sci-fi and fantasy can be. And that uh, Star Wars is a, really, it's a, it's a fantasy. Yeah, it is a mythical fantasy. It's not really, I, I, I don't think Star Wars can classify as sci-fi at all. It's right. just a, a mythology and a fantasy that takes place in the outer space. You know, the force is magic. It's a soft magic system. It's not exactly explained how everything about it works, but, you know, there are some explanations. <laughs> um, how does it um, manifest? You don't know. Who can get it? You don't know. This guy is just force sensitive, but it's mystical. A lot of people forget that when the 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 OG trilogies came out, the Force was not just this something that they're using. Like the Jedi were not just, um, you know, knights. No, they were actually. This is actually a religion. Yeah. Like in the first movie, it's really it's clearly mentioned that they this is a religion. You know, these guys worship worship a certain way and they live a certain way and the force is connected to that so their connection to the force is not just about gaining power to defend or whatever but is also something mystical and spiritual that is pure fantasy absolutely there is no sci-fi elements here at all but if you go to star trek where okay let's do the warp drive because of the quantum leap so that we can do the wormhole and the einstein (laughs) yeah okay that's science (laughs) yeah yeah but what you're doing is exactly what i'm doing is uh, is in the sense you you read another book and you're getting inspired by a specific dynamic i think this is the really big reason between being inspired and being you know and plagiarism really is you're inspired by a specific dynamic. Like you read Lord of the Rings and you say, oh, I love the relationship between the fellowship members. And mm-hmm. I really want to write a book that has this dynamic. And then you, you take that idea, but instead of doing it in a you know middle earth kind of setting where they have to destroy the ring and they're all honorable and you know polite. No, okay, I'm going to make them all rowdy, 
rude, cussing all the time, and I'm going to shove them on a pirate ship. That's basically Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. The camaraderie, the, the, the fellowship, but in a completely different way. And you take that one element and you build around it all your story world and, and it fits, it works. I love it. So now how did Chaos Storm come to be? Where, where was this, uh, the genesis behind this idea? Oh, okay. So you're not going to believe this, but remember when I said in the beginning that I sat down and I wrote um, like a, a piece of chapter, a chapter or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I said, I don't know how to make this even better. So this chapter has been in my mind for uh, almost 10 years where I'm thinking about this whole world where I am telling a story of the end of times of this world. It's the battles and the state of the world before the end of time. And then when I decide, when I leave work, I, I decide, okay, I'm going to write my first book. I say, okay, I don't want to go there yet because this is so much, this is a huge project. It's a really big project. And I don't want to tackle that for my first book. I want my first book to be something similar, simple, one point of view character, not going to jump around a lot, <laughs> you know, to make it easier for myself. Mm -hmm. And I so I come up with the idea of a city that is protected by a pyramid and there are, you know, evil outside. It was very vague in my head. And I was trying to make it cool. And I keep going left and right. It's not working until I remember one detail that in the world of my chapter, that one story, one of my characters is talking about the South and about the fact that they see ruins of pyramids in the South. And then it goes like, oh my God, what if the story about this pyramid is kind of like a prologue? What if it's the prequel to the story I'm going to tell? Uh -huh. Just thousands of years before the story that I wrote 10 years ago starts, Chaos <laughs> Storm happens. And thus, you know, it began. And, this, and then it, 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 a completely new outline began where I am now mapping the end of the world through these signs and it's not clearly stated in the first book so this is kind of a little bit of a spoiler but i give it freely <laughs> that in this world there is a certain character that at some point is going to talk about having seen the end of the world and having seen the signs of the end and he wrote down these signs and the first sign is the chaos storm wow and i, I love the uh not just the inspiration but the way the story's coming together in the background whenever you're doing other things and and i love that moment of the aha moment uh for myself as well whenever you're <clears throat> I, i'm spending weeks or months or years trying to think of this one story and how is it going to work and where and it's funny how you can be in the middle of some mindless activity doing something completely different and all of a sudden it comes to you I was in the pool. <laughs> I was swimming. <laughs> and as I was swimming, I was thinking about this over and over again. I'm trying to get you because I, this is one of the best exercises you can think. I don't remember who exactly uh, um, taught me this. I think it was Robert McKee, um, but it could have been John Truby, one of them. Um, he, he said, you know, you always need to ask the what if. So what if outside of the parameters of the city, there are aliens? And what if it's not aliens? What if they're monsters? What if they're dinosaurs? What if this, okay, what if it's other humans, but they're bad? 
okay what if it's other humans but it's not bad you keep asking what if what if what if what if mm-hmm. you you look at every possible this is where your creative mind is sorely needed you know mm-hmm. use your your creativity and your openness to because the first idea is almost always a ripoff of someone else's work almost always sure. because you, the subconscious mm-hmm. just say hey how about this good idea and you start working on it and oh i'm writing star wars and i okay yeah you just realize that so you keep asking what if what if what if what if what if and then eventually you get to that point where yeah okay and and then you start studying it from different angles so so in this case for example i'm like what is cool about this build okay what is cool about this build is that the story of the main character in chaos storm art is going to end in book two broken stars which is I'm currently working on now, hopefully to be released by the end of the years, uh, Broken Stars. What is good about it is I can do a shift of hundreds of years and pick up later in the same world after the everything has changed. So it's the same story, but it's a different environment and it's a different culture and it's a different people. Everything is different. It's like a completely new novel, but built into the same world now it has a legacy where okay maybe these characters don't know about the events of chaos storm and broken stars but they live in the same world and keep building up so that way you can have a story that could eventually when it's over span hundreds or maybe thousands of years you know from beginning to end and they're all unique and individual in their in, in, in a sense oh my goodness this is fantastic. <laughs> I, Thank you. I, I love hearing all the amazing ideas that's going into this and the uh, the incredible series that it sounds like you are, are building. Do you have an idea yet on how long you might take this series? Uh, well, yeah. One of the cool things about the way I'm structuring this is I can end it with book two. Like the story of art is going to be over by the end of book two. So that mm. could be it. I could say, all right, I'm done. Thank you. The story is completely fulfilled. You know what happens, you know how it ends. The conflict is over and I don't need to go over, but I can keep going. So right now it fluctuates in my mind between, uh, it could be anywhere between five and 10. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, and now there's something here that's in your the byline for the book, and I don't know if this is going to be spoilery or not, but I, I'm interested in the hide your tattoos line. Can can you tell us anything <laughs> about that? Yeah, so um, this isn't the first chapter, so it's not really a spoiler, but in the beginning of the first chapter, the character art is uh, living in a very destitute place called Scorn. And he has two tattoos on his back. He's got a red pyramid on his left shoulder. And he's got what we call a Romer tattoo. That is a tattoo of a golden red phoenix. And it moves. It moves around his body. moves around his arm. And this is a sign of exceptional wealth. Hmm. Is something that is extremely difficult to attain and very expensive to have. And it doesn't make sense at all for a boy living in the poorest, worst place in the entire world to have. And so he's hiding it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 
Well, there you go. And that's that's enough to, I think, make people want to know more about this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Fantastic. I don't want to draw too much. Yeah, into, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, oh they have God. to read and find out, you know, read what, what's up with the Brett Pyramid and what's up with the, uh, you know, in the prologue, which I'm going to read, um, there's a, a few hints that where he comes from and, okay, what, what might be happening but yeah, it's a the, the the book is basically a journey. It's a journey of uh, self discovery. It's a journey of trying to achieve. I wouldn't say greatness, but trying to become who he was born to be. You know, mm-hmm. trying to find his place into the world and motivated by love, mostly motivated by I want I want to save people. I want to love. Um, I want to save the ones I love. And it's motivated by multitude of desires, you know, the desire to to be someone instead of just being this little boy who lives in scorn and, you know, collects rocks. There's a lot of it. And there's a lot of, I think, interesting characters that I, or at least try to make them interesting. The, the audience will be the judge of that, who are very different and they have different motivations for the way, the reason they do what they do. And um, yeah, we follow the journey from as they cross uh, a very large, um, you know, strip of land and, you know, they have to go through so much adversary, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have, the, the forces of antagonism in this book is, you know, I try to make them astronomically high to make the, the struggle as, as, you know, as difficult as it can be. I'm a really mean to my characters. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. How, how is uh, book two coming along for you? I am about um, 50% done. It was supposed to be out, to be honest. Uh, I don't want to, you know, sugarcoat this, but it was supposed to be honest. But 2020, unfortunately, was very unkind to me. I, in the beginning of the year, I had uh, a medical issue that warranted surgery. And, you know, that was a very difficult time for me. And um, uh, following that, I had a rut of un- being unable to write. And then, the obviously, the COVID hit. And with it, the the quarantine. And I am a very extroverted kind of person. Um, I had this routine where I would wake up every day and would leave the house and go to a specific spot and sit down and read. And I'm right. I'm sorry. And uh, that that routine was completely disrupted. Mm-hmm. And so the mental stress from you know the the surgery and the quarantine and all that kind of stuff. And then you know. Yeah, life was really difficult in 20. I'm I'm not I'm not saying that obviously I'm the only one who had that. Everybody had a tough, yeah. But life was difficult for me and um it slowed down the process, but I've made really good headway. I would say I'm more than 50% in and I'm very satisfied with how it's turning out because I made a completely different leap in like in the first book it's a one protagonist, the main character Art but in the second book, now that we know who these people are, now we're more familiar with the world, I'm showing you points of view from different characters. Now we get to see the motivations of other characters. Now we get to see the struggle on a different scale where everybody wants to do something and the forces are kind of aligning with or against each other. Yeah, and there's a lot I can't really talk about until you finish the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would say I would say I'm more than fifty percent over the again. Yeah, I'm over the fifty percent mark, and I am hoping that by the end of this year it would be out, hopefully sooner. But yeah, that's my deadline. Fantastic. Well, you gotta let us know 
when the uh, when that book is uh, at, at least available for pre-order. So that way, or if you do a pre-order for it or whenever it comes available, regardless, you got to let us know so that we can uh, let listeners know that uh, it's available and uh, help uh, spread the word about it. Where can Absolutely. people find and follow you? Uh, well, okay. If you're on Clubhouse, you can follow me on, you know, at uh, Tarek Badr, which is at T-A-R-E-K-B-A-D-R. If you are on Instagram, it's exactly the same at T-R-E-K-B-A-D-R 85. That's the exact same handle I have on um, Twitter. And I'm also, I also exist on, you know, Facebook and I have a website. So you can, you can, I'm pretty everywhere. So <laughs> very, very easy to reach. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And we'll have a link for all of that, uh, the social media and the uh, website and, uh, and the uh, Amazon link all in the show oh, yeah. notes, everyone. So you can, I'm also on Goodreads. Yeah. I forget. I always forget Goodreads. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. It's like, I'm, I'm on there all the time. That's where I do my first review is always on Goodreads and I copy it over to the other <laughs> places, but I always forget to say that later on. Yeah, I don't know why, but yeah, I have this habit of of not selling my book or not pushing specific <laughs> you know, website. I don't know why, but it happens. So yeah, my book is on Amazon. You can find it, you know, under my name, Signs of the End, Chaos Storm. You can, uh, there's a big pyramid picture in the on the book cover. Um, I hope you can share it. I think it's a pretty cool cover. We worked really hard on making it. Yeah, uh, it's a great cover, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, it was not easy to do. You know, <laughs> shout out to my friend Muhammad Ali, who basically made it. You know, from scratch. Who is not actually a cover artist, but he is an you know he's an architect and interior design specialist, and more importantly, he's a wizard when it comes to 3D graphics and stuff like that. And we built the cover. I, I just gave him a vision, and he built it from the ground up. And he was amazing. Oh, fantastic. And yeah, the uh, everybody listening, if you're listening on, uh, whether it's, I, I don't know, um, Apple or Pandora or whatever, uh, you can also go and find the book cover on other places like YouTube, um, Audible, where the show is also on. The book cover is being shared everywhere, plus on the Sample Chapter Podcast website, too. You can see that there. Of course, best thing for you to do is just click that link right over to Amazon and pick up the book for yourself. So you can see the book every time you open it up. So do that for yourself, people. Click that link yep. in the show notes. Pick up the book. I'm pretty sure that you're going to enjoy it. It's a very enjoyable story and it's easy to tell. It's not it's overly sophisticated and it's not overly simplistic. It's a middle ground that I think. Um, I have a friend who's reading it to his children. So he, he was able to enjoy it for himself and then he was able to enjoy it with his kids. So, yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, Tedrick. This has been great. Thank you so much for uh, for reaching out and uh, thank you so much for your time today. I really have had a really good time talking with you and uh, man, I, I just, I wish you all the best with the, with your book and the future books in the series. Thank you, Jason. Thank you very much for having me. This is a wonderful opportunity and uh, I appreciate you and your hospitality and I hope uh, to get to speak to you again. Absolutely. Likewise. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside and hand the floor over to my guest. And let's hope I don't mess up the name here. Tarek Badr and his debut novel, Chaos Storm. Prologue. Magia stumbled over the broken body of a fused. He was tired and bleeding, but could not spare a moment to rest as another fused approached him. 
shaped like a human, but made entirely of stone, the fused were the stuff of nightmares. The one that approached was at least eight feet tall. Chaos ran through its veins, and its eyes burned the deep orange of chaos. Magia stretched out his hand and red light coalesced into a massive double-bladed axe. He charged the fused and sliced through its right leg. Iron would fail to leave a scratch on the hard stone of the fused, but his axe was of no metal. It was pure power. It cut through the fused like a hot knife through butter. The fused screeched and fell to the ground. It tried to grab Magius as it fell, but he avoided the claw-like hand and cut the beast's head off. The burning eyes winked out. Horns continued to blow in the distance. Even leagues away, the sounds of battle reached him. What have we done? he said as he looked toward the horizon. Smoke rose from the ancient city of Raylander. At the center of the city, the pyramid that once filled the world with radiant red light stood dark, dead. The sands shifted beneath him, and he turned to see another. It jumped the distance between them and was about to crash into Magus when a bolt of red light hit the creature midair. The hit sent the fused to Magius' side, where he made quick work of the fallen beast. He turned to the source of the bolt and saw his wife, Lysa. He made his way toward her while the storm raged. He hoped the dust and howling winds could hide them as they ran for their lives. Lysa carried a precious bundle, a little boy. Their companions were all but lost to them. Some have died, others stayed, and the most unfortunate souls were caught by their enemies. In a few moments, the storms would carry more than dust and stone. It would carry chaos, the bane of existence. Magis grabbed his wife and urged her onwards. They were a few steps behind what's left of their groups, and he did not wish to lose sight of them. Screams of pain echoed around them as their dark hunter preyed on their friends. He turned to his wife, looking troubled. It's no use, Lysa. He's coming for us. This is pointless. She shook her head. We have to keep going, Magius, for the boy, for everyone. He will not stop until he kills us, my love, Magius said. We have to save him, Lysa said. She was as beautiful as the day he met her, flowing blonde hair and beautiful blue eyes. Magius looked around desperately. He reached into his bag and shook his head. Even if we can escape, Lysa, we don't have enough power to shield ourselves for long. The storm is coming, and it's going to last for at least a day or two. Lysa's golden hair fell onto her face, hiding her eyes and her tears. What if we give them our stones, Magius? she said. He did not stop, but his steps slowed. She looked at her husband sympathetically. The once mighty Magius now looked deflated, as if her words punched all the air out of him. He had retained his regal look and his muscular physique through the years. Since the moment she met him, he was a paragon of strength. At this moment, however, he looked tired, defeated. All right, he said, and took her hand. They started running toward the group ahead. Walder, Magius shouted, but the sound was devoured by the howling gust of wind. Walder, Titana, wait, stop, please, Magius said, voice desperate. The huge Walder turned to him, eyes blazing. No! He barked, then grabbed Titana and continued onward. Magius and Liza picked up their pace and started to close the distance. Walder, you will never make it to the oasis before the chaos hits. You don't have enough stones, Magius said, but Walder ignored him and kept walking. Despite his size, he was older and slower than Magius. 
The fact that his companion Titana was sick did not help. She leaned on him so heavily he was almost carrying her. Magius finally caught up to Walder and grabbed him. Walder's reaction was so fast that Magius did not have any time to see the punch that hammered his nose and dropped him to the sand on his back. I don't want anything to do with you. This is all your fault, Walder screamed. Magius nodded and climbed to his feet, one hand covering his broken nose. It's gone, all of it. The city, our people, and our lives. It's all your fault. Yes, this is all my fault. I did this. I killed us all. But now I am trying to save you, Magius said and showed Walder his bag and the stones inside it. Walder looked surprised and confused. What? Why are you doing this? A detonation shook the ground under them, and the sounds of screaming came from a source not far behind him. Magius stepped up to Walder and Titana. He's coming for us. He will not stop until he gets us. We can distract him and lure him away from you. Lysa nodded quickly and added, Yes, get as far as you can. And when the storm hits, you can use all the stones to shield the three of you from chaos. Walder looked at Lysa and then Magius. His eyes fell on the sleeping boy. The three of us? He asked and stepped back. I won't take the boy, not even to save my life. Lysa dropped to her knees and clutched Titana's robes. Please, he is just a boy. I am begging you. He has done nothing. He deserves to live. Titana looked to Walder, a question in her eyes. Not to save your life, Walder, but hers, Magius shouted. A life for a life. You save the boy and save Titana, or we all die. Make your choice now, because he is coming. Walder seemed disgusted. He spat at Magius's face and grumbled through gritted teeth. I hate you. I hope you rut in the deepest hell this world has. I curse your name and I curse your life. He reached out his hand. Give me the boy. Lysa held the boy tight to her chest. She kissed him gently on his forehead and whispered softly, Art, I love you. I love you. Her voice shook and tears rolled down her cheeks. Magius kneeled and put his arms around her. It's time, my love. Goodbye, Art. Our hopes go with you, he said and took off his ring and placed it in the boy's hand. He pulled Lysa's finger and together they touched the ring. A small light shone from the red stone on the ring then faded quickly. Lysa kissed him again and whispered, You can save them, Art. We will save you so that you can save them all. She walked up to Titana and placed the boy in her arms. Promise me that no harm will come to him, Lysa said, weeping. Titana nodded. I promise. Magius held out his bag to Alder. Inside, you will find a shield and a few useful things I brought with me. Walder reached to take the bag, but Magius pulled it away. I also picked up the codex. When he is old enough, tell him who he is. Give him the codex so that he may understand what we have done and what he has to do. Walder snatched the back from Magius, wrinkling his nose at him. Forget about the oasis. It will be the first place they attack after we fall. Make your way north to Darken Valley, Magius said. Walder slung the bag over his shoulder, took Titana's hand, and walked away without another word. He did, however, walk north. Lysa fell to her knees, weeping, while Magius embraced her for a silent moment. His lovely wife, the most beautiful woman in the world. He had promised to protect her against anything, but he failed. Perhaps then death is not such a bad thing. Come, my love, he helped her up gently, and together they started walking southeast. They walked in silence, broken only by the wind. 
mixed with Lysa's weeping. Margis was lost in thought. The past haunted him. Mistakes. So many mistakes. How many lives were lost today because of him? How many lives were ruined because of his choices and his plans? Magius Gold Crown, Supreme Prime of Raylander, Leader, Warrior, Visionary, Chosen. Given the holy gift of prophecy and look where he was now, running aimlessly waiting to die. I hope we did the right thing. Tired, so tired. How long have we walked? Far enough? What is this noise I hear? In the endless desert of Uratan, Magius and Lysa wandered haphazardly. They walked until they could no longer walk. Then they sat on a rock. Lysa cried. She cried until she could no longer cry. They sat in silence, husband and wife wrapped in each other's arms, waiting, wondering what will kill them first. Chaos? The fused? Without power stones they were defenseless, or would it be? A man dressed all in black stepped upon a sand dune. He was covered in blood, blood of friends. His face was hidden, but they knew it well. Where he went, death followed. He walked toward them, sword held in his right hand. His left hand glowed with the ominous orange of chaos. Magius, the architect of my torture. Gold crown himself running away like a coward, the man in black said his voice eerie and snake-like. Lysa, the biggest traitor this world has ever seen, he said, then raised his hands toward them. Where is the star? Where is the suit? The man in black asked. Gone. Buried in the vast sea of sand, you will never find them, Magius said. Lies, he growled, and power flared from his left hand. You have failed. You will never be a god, Lysa said. You could have been exalted among us. You were supposed to be the best of us. You are the traitor. The man in black stood silent, his hand glowing dangerously. I never wanted to be a god, but I have to. Only I can save humanity, he said. Well, you failed. You will never have the star, Magius said. There are other ways, the man said and pointed his hand at them. Laughter, a dreadful voice. Magius held his wife and whispered, Close your eyes, I love you. They did not see the man open his hand. They did not see chaos issuing from his hand. Hey, what did I tell you, huh? That was Tarek Better reading a sample chapter from his debut novel, Chaos Storm. The book is available right now. You can click that link in the show notes for the book and for everywhere to find and follow Tarek. So click that link down there. Don't forget to also check out our sponsors and podcast friends alike and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I'm back with a writing duo of Tracy Dobmeyer and Wendy Katzman and their debut novel, Girls with Bright Futures. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you then. Take care, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.